Justin, what's happening right now? Right now we are starting the podcast of Super High Sci-Fi number number twenty. Yeah, four. Oh, twenty-five. Damn it. Okay, twenty-five. Episode twenty-five. We're one quarter of the way to a hundred. Feels pretty good. Should pop the champagne. Yeah, you know, my entire life's been a waste up until this point, so it's good. I like it. Feels good, man. Feels good, man. Exactly. Uh, Grant's passed out in a chair after smoking crack out of a light bulb. Uh, but I know something that will wake Grant up. This is our first and only news item for the day. Uh, the people behind the new Star Wars universe films, whatever we're going to call them at Disney, have said that in addition to the Boba Fett movie and the Rogue One movie, there's now going to be the Han Solo origin story, which is as yet untitled, but it's going to be the tale of how Han Solo, I guess, ended up in the bar on Tatooine with Chewie waiting to you know, have an old man come hire him. I think it's going to end up being the tale of how Shia LaBeouf destroyed not one, not two, but three beloved franchises within the span of a decade. That's who you think is going to be the guy? I wouldn't put it past them. Uh, uh, that that would be really terrible if they went that route. Um, I mean, they already cast Shalabuff next to Harrison Ford before. I don't see how they can really do it again. I mean, well, it was I mean, his kid, but... The end of that movie was a narrow miss where the hat blows onto his head. Thank God Harrison Ford snatches it back. Oh, yeah, just, like, punch Shalabuff and, yeah. like, get the fuck out of here, kid. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, I like the end of that in my mind. I mean, Shia LaBeouf can be in this new movie if I hope he's, he's like, like a, a stormtrooper that gets shot. Yeah, he could be like a random person that Han Solo kills. That's fine. He can be a Gungan. I, you know what? The I don't think they're, they're not going to touch those in these movies, are they? <laughs> yeah, like, I, I really hope not. they just like the retcon, you know, been... George himself and just be like, oh, this planet, you know, didn't exist. And It's the best part of the Empire, the Revenge of the Sith. It's just like the... The funeral at the end where they have uh, what's her Padme, they're burying her, and Jar Jar's there, and he's all sad. Mm. And then you know that there's just like the implied holocaust by the Empire later where they're just going to burn all the Gungans off the planet and boil the ocean away. Fucking hate the Gungans so much. <laughs> they they, they didn't no have st- any any pictures of the Gungans in the, the remastered special edition Suck George's Cock, right? At the end of... Uh, uh, Return of the Jedi? No, they didn't put in a ghost Jar Jar, thankfully. Okay. I didn't know if they... I know they had a shot of... um, I can't remember the, the planet's name. But Naboo. Naboo. Didn't they have a shot of Naboo? They did, and they also had some oh, guy shout out like, right. Lisa Free! They did have Gungans in there. I had yep. blocked it out of my memory. Are, are you serious, though? They actually had Gungans yeah, at the yeah, end yeah, there? Yeah, Because yeah. in the, the 90s special edition, they put in like riot footage from Coruscant where people were like tearing down a statue of the Emperor and people on Cloud City were celebrating. Mm-hmm. And then I guess for the double special edition, Grant's right, I remember that. They spliced in shots of Tatooine, people celebrating on Tatooine, and then people celebrating on Naboo, like the big parade they had at the end of Episode 1, one of those type deals. Yeah. Gungan saying, we so free and doing cartwheels. Which version did um, George piss on the negatives and ruin them? The 90s one, allegedly, the 90s one? Okay. is where the, the negatives drawing happened. Gotcha. Um, yeah, but I, I, my vote is Channing Tatum is going to be Han Solo. That's who I think they're going to tap. 
you don't think they'll do the X-Men treatment to, you know, Harrison Ford? Oh, yeah, Grant and I were talking about that yesterday, if they're going to just cover him in that CGI, whatever it is, like the, the face paint they put on there, and then they do the smoothing in the computer. I don't know. Probably not. Be a little hard to get the gray out. It would be. Well, he could use um, Just for Men. Every day when he goes into freaking work? I mean, maybe. I don't know. It lasts for a while. Okay. You just got to stay out of the sun. You can have the makeup, you know, technician do a little bit of touch-up every morning. Some black spray paint. I think I'm just going to get another actor. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Channing Tatum. Channing Tatum? That's what it's going to be. I think he might even be actually worse than Shia for that. Well, it's, it's going to be somebody in that vein. Like, it might even be your favorite guy, Jai Courtney. Grant, I know he's your favorite actor right yeah, now. Yeah, I, I don't think he's going to be doing that. I don't, I don't think he has the cachet to, to get into the Star Wars game. What about Johnny Depp? Uh, Johnny Depp is right. young Han Solo. He's already in every other Disney movie, right? <laughs> it's mm. not a big leap. The Han Solo movie directed by Tim Burton, starring Johnny Depp. No. As young and Han Tim Solo. Burton's wife as who? Because, I mean, that's like a staple in one of his movies, isn't it? Helena Bonham Carter, yeah, who would she be? I can't think of who, who would be appropriate for her in Han Solo's life, but, I mean, there's already Oh, those. that weird, or no, I was going to say Han Solo's wife in the comic. I don't know, was there ever a follow-up with that? Did you ever? The random black lady who's his wife? Yeah. Nope, don't know who that is. Nobody seems to know who that is. Okay, I mean, I, I don't follow the those comics that have been coming out, so I didn't know if there was some sort of follow-up, like, oh, hey, we were divorced, and... Whatever. I mean, there's so much going on. There's actually an original set of novels, the Han Solo trilogy, I think is what they're called, maybe. Is that right, Grant? Yep. And mm. then the Han Solo adventures are the ones from the 70s that are weird. Yeah. Yeah. The The Han Solo trilogy, though, is really good, and it tells the story of how Han Solo escapes from the pirate freighter he grows up on because he's an orphan, which is sad. But that's extended universe, not real anymore, according to Disney. Right. See, that's I don't know because Disney said, "Hey, everything that has been posited to happen after Return of the Jedi, if it's after Return of the Jedi, it, it never happened. That's a legend." But I I don't know if they went back and said like, "Hey, Shadows of the Empire didn't happen." They did say that. Oh, they did. Yep. Okay. Well, in that case, yeah. But all they the, said they all the expanded universe it. stuff is now considered legends mm -hmm. instead of canon. So I think they're just taking their time. They're going to go back and fill in all the blanks as they see fit. I'm, I'm just, I, those are, as much as I would have liked to see the Thrawn trilogy be the new trilogy, those are three books that are, I guess, ready-made for Han Solo background. But somehow I'm sure it's going to be something stupid involving a lot of CGI creatures bouncing around the inside of a spaceship and Han Solo with like a Star-Lord jet boot set up trying to chase them. To be honest, I'm not that interested in a Han Solo origin movie. I mean, why do we need a Han Solo origin movie? You're never curious how he became a drug smuggler with his best friend Chewbacca? I mean, not, not really. I think the reason why is they're just expecting, you know, it's a fan favorite character and... They're just going to be like, hey, we can, you know, cash in on this, you know, between, you know, the big Star Wars movies. Since I don't know if this will be a lower budget compared to the big Star Wars movies, but I'm sure there's, you know, less actors that will have to bring in that all at least, or at least big name actors probably. Yeah, I'm sure the, the fewer A-list people you have to involve. I, I really like the idea they're pursuing with Rogue One, which is a completely new 
take on Star Wars in that the cast is not going to be people or characters that we've seen before. I would like to see more Star Wars movies like that versus, oh, let's like do X-Men Origins, but for Star Wars for every one of our favorite characters or something like that. Like they were talking about doing an origin Yoda movie. There's yeah. rumors about that. Like I'm not really that interested in it unless they can make it I don't know, a very compelling story and I just I don't know. I don't see the Han Solo story being that compelling. I want a Bib Fortuna origin movie. That's what I no. want. Yeah. I want to know how Jabba's little major domo guy, what his deal is. I remember him. Which is he? The guy with the big, like, dick hanging off of his head. Dicks. Oh. He slings it around his neck. Yeah, he's got the two. Gotcha. Ah, I, I didn't know if you were talking about it was that little, like, rat thing that pops no, no, up no. on the screen. Yeah, no, you know in Knights of the Old Republic, the, the Jedi Master guy, when you're trying to solve the mysteries, and he always goes, Punita Awani Wani Wonga, that guy? Yeah. Who has the two things hanging off of his shoulders? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. I want to know how he ended up in the palace on Tatooine. I want to know what he eats for breakfast. These are the details Disney's going to provide in these movies. Well, you can go to the Legends entry for him on Wikipedia. and I could, but I, I need that plus Han Solo wearing Star-Lord jet boots bouncing around a cargo hold trying to collect CGI balls of shit. You know, I'm a little scared that they'll go down that route of... It's happening. Hey, Guardians was really good. Like, let's just sort of, you know, replicate it with Han Solo Origins. It's happening. I mean, not knocking, you know, Guardians. It just, it'd be really sad to see Han given just, you know, a treatment of, you know, hey, copy and paste. Like Han Solo puts his his uh, CD player, his his headphones in, and starts popping and locking and stuff while he's beating up villains and shit. Yeah. <laughs> and instead of the prison they go through there, they can just borrow star's end prison yeah yeah exactly that's perfect good job justin you wrote the new han solo that's movie. why i'm worried <laughs> Jesus. uh and they meet uh, he meets chewbacca in there rather than you know him coming with him yeah they can actually they probably can just copy most of guardians of the galaxy chewbacca can be uh batista chewbacca can be the angry guy who doesn't like him batista what Dave Batista, the professional wrestler who was the was a Drax the Destroyer or whatever yep. his name is. Oh, the, I was thinking Chewbacca more like Groot. Oh yeah, but who's going to be Chewbacca's raccoon who's bossing him around? You have to get rid well, of. Well, I mean, you Han Solo replace the Rocket raccoon. with Han Solo, and then you place Groot with Chewbacca. Yeah, and then you have that dynamic there as far as you know, Guardian of the Galaxy mimicking for going down this route. But then, who's going to be Star Lord? Who's going to be the main character? You just combine Rocket and Star-Lord. Whoa, that's going to be dangerous. It is. But they don't have any, you know, Infinity Stones to fight, so they just have to go and steal some, you know, guy who's old Court 45. Shit no, to get. I, I'm sure there's going to be that, and I'm... I don't know. I think we're going <laughs> to... The, the prediction's going to come to pass that it's going to be some sort of goofy CGI festival and... The original owner of the Millennium Falcon is going to be like one of the Simpsons aliens. Before, um, why am I blanking on this guy's name? Cloud City guy. Lando. Lando, yeah. Before I, Lando had the Millennium Falcon? Thing? I don't know. They, they may go back and release a new special edition where they cut that line of dialogue out so they can have the original owner be an alien. 
But really, you can't cut that line out. Like, I'd, it would remove all... That's the only history you get between the two characters, really. Ah, like, it's easy. You just go into the editing bay and snip that section out. Why can't they just say it's had multiple owners? I mean, that's entirely possible. As I was saying, before Lando, you know, they had, you know, some goofy-ass alien that went, that works at Jabba's place now that owned it. Oh, maybe that's why Jabba wanted him dead. Yeah, because he's like, he has my ship. I want his ass in carbonite now. Nope. No? I don't know. This movie's going to suck, but I think everybody just needs to remember that Han Solo and Chewbacca are crack, like they're crack smugglers, smuggle crack around. That tends to get lost in the shuffle. People don't remember that. Yeah. Just like Indiana Jones steals people's artifacts and brings them back. Like all those great British explorers who brought them back to the, the National History Museum. Or that one dude... Uh... Went to his house. Oh, the London. guy's house we went to. Yeah, that was just full of like Athenian stuff he had stolen during his his expeditions. Yeah, he didn't even put in a museum. He just like decorated his house with it. And when he died, he's like, eh, I guess you guys can have tours now. That was amazing. Yeah, if you're ever in London, I we're doing a horrible job of describing the location of this place, but uh, I can't remember the guy's name. It's near the Sainsbury's building. That's all I know about it. It's near the Sainsbury's headquarters, and some explorer. And he just fucking jammed his house to the roof, just full of stuff he stole from like Mesopotamia and Rome and Greece. And yeah, you, you can walk through there now. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll, we'll have to find that and maybe you post can, an update, or I'll find it and you can look it up while in. we're we're talking about the. Well, unfortunately, we have to get to our main topic, which is two films, Predators, plural. And Prometheus, do you guys want to do Predators first? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that works. Okay, do you want to amnesia parachute into something? Is that, is that how we're going with this? Because the movie started that way? Like, yes, exactly. That it, it's just like right right off the why, action. Why are Predators like, attaching parachutes to people? What's going on? It's like the most dangerous game. Like That's what they're going for in this, I think. But they couldn't just wake up on the ground? The predators have to put them in a parachute and throw I, I them out of I think it's a... like the whole, like, fill them full of adrenaline and, like, make sure it's, like, you know, they're in a dangerous situation that somebody's doing this to them rather than just, like, oh, I woke up in the jungle. Neat. But where do they get the parachutes from? The predators running the a The same place they got company. the fucking predator dogs are from, <laughs> like... The script? Yeah. The... <laughs> yeah, that's that, that was my first question in the opening 30 seconds. If, if they have the technology to teleport them from earth to this other planet why can't they just teleport them so they're already on the ground yeah. <laughs> i mean that would make more sense you're going through all that trouble to bring your quarry here and you're risking them falling and dying like all those people do in the beginning yeah like that one guy whose parachute never opens yeah many questions from the first few minutes in this movie i think they were just going for the cheesy thrill like to get people just really jacked and engaged from the the first second like oh my god he's falling like how's he gonna get out of this and yeah well i don't get like how do they know that they're gonna wake up you know sometime between you know when they get dropped out of whatever plane and before they get to the ground or a decent altitude to open up their parachute like they don't because i mean obviously the parachutes don't open by themselves always because that one dude was like oh i guess his parachute didn't open and then, like, he's just, like, dead in a tree or on the ground or something. I don't remember. And it's then, not important. It's not It's not important. It's, like, anybody's name in this movie. I know, yeah. I 
Adrian Brody and Lawrence Fishburne are the only two people I really know by name because I know them from their other work, but it's just like um, Mexican enforcer guy. Well, that was Machete. Israeli sniper girl. I knew Machete. That was about it. And, yeah. Danny and, uh, Trejo. How can you not know? And uh, uh, Japanese guy. Japanese guy. With a katana, of course. Guy who seems like, you know, some nerd, but totally is going to like turn on everyone. Oh, Topher Grace. How could I forget Eddie Brock after that wonderful performance in Spider-Man 3? <laughs> yeah, his Oscar-worthy tour de force, Eddie Brock. Yeah. Yeah. Peter, what are you doing? <laughs> I don't like you, Peter. You're taking my photos. Yeah. Yep. This, you know, this movie is such a strange movie because I remember hating it when I first saw it and I hadn't seen it in like four years. But then when I watched it again for our review here, I came away and I, I didn't hate it. It, and I felt very strange. I, I thought I was going to hate it, and I came away, and I didn't like it so much that I love it, and I didn't hate it. It was kind of just, I came away a little disappointed. I thought they had all the elements in there to make this a really cool Predator movie, and they just didn't bring it all together the right way. I think I agree with that a little bit. It's not like I hated it like the Alien versus Predator movies. It was more that, like, at the end of it, I had a really bad taste in my mouth. Like, Yeah, I agree. Because, like, if you just, like, sit back and, like, don't pay attention to the stupid shit that's going on in half the movie, it's like, oh, cool, action scenes. Like, whatever. It's not fucking retarded, like, Alien versus Predators. That, that's how I feel about it, kind of. But, I mean, if you start, like, looking at the characters and, like, their shit motivations and like, you know, not caring about any of them. And then that's when the movie gets bad. And like, you're just like, uh, this isn't very good at that point. Yeah. The, I, well, I don't know. Where should we start off on this? So we just, where do you, where do you guys want to start? The plot, the characters, what? We can start with the plot that doesn't yeah. make any sense as far as like, so I don't, so I guess it's, they want to hunt humans on this planet, but, they seem, in past injuries and, you know, predators, they seem to be doing just as good of a job as, you know, going to Earth and then luring people to where they want to, you know, bring them. So why didn't they bring them to this planet? So they can, like, use the alien dogs to hunt them and, like, not have to clean that mess up? Uh, yeah. Pretty much. I, I yeah, That's the only logical that that's the only reason that they would want to do that is like oh okay but they seem to have good control over the dogs anyway so unless they just like they did it once and they drop you know old crazy black guy on there and like now they're trying to find him you know smoke him out with other people floating down that's what always struck me i i guess as i watch this movie a whopping total of two times it's just weird to have like the dogs show up and then Disappear and never... And then they go away. They're, they're called back or whatever, and it's just, you know, that plot element is forgotten. Oh, I also like the part with the dogs where... Well, by liked, I mean thought was fucking stupid. Um, <laughs> where they basically just cut off one of the heads of the dogs, like fucking butter, with, like, oh, with machete. machete. Oh, yeah. yes! <laughs> like the end of uh, Resident Evil, the movie with the dogs. Oh, yeah, Just... Yeah. <laughs> whatever works just they get cut in half yeah it, it, 
didn't make any sense. Okay, okay, they're made out of butter, but like a gun can't stop them after like you know a full round. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Sure. Yeah, why not? They have giant tree branches growing off their face. That too was also interesting. <laughs> I everything about this movie is interesting, I guess. I, I mean, interesting in a bad way, almost like. They had, like, the, you know, replacement, you know, Indian guy who just, like, did the whole, like, staring at trees and was like, I don't feel good. And it's like... Oh, the the African guy? Yeah, it's like, all right, I guess it's, you know, not okay to be racist against, you know, Native Americans anymore, so we're gonna, you know, have some, you know, tribal guy from Africa, like, who is on some... Or was some child soldier, probably, and, like... What was his background again? He was... He was some some fucking Sierra Leone thing. Yeah, he yeah, was a he, Sierra like Leone a, soldier, and I don't know if he had much backstory besides that. But I, I, for, I forget which... But he's got, like, this uniform or something on that marks him as a member of... I forget which group it is. The people who um, were on one half of the Civil War in Sierra Leone and, like, massacred a bunch of people. At least on Wikipedia, it says the Revolutionary United Front. Yes, yeah. I, I'm not familiar with the Sierra Leone Civil War since there's yeah, a there, lot there's, of them well, in there's Africa. A big, Yes, there are a lot of civil wars in Africa, unfortunately. But this one, the uh, the RUF there was like the, I'd like the Lord's Resistance Army kind of. Mm. Yeah. Then they became a political party, I guess, when the country reunified, which is hilarious. But you know, bygones be bygones. Everybody in this movie, though, it's amazing that they're all such. Okay, I guess that the the sniper girl isn't like spinning a dreidel or something but they're all so fucking stereotypical it's it's a shocking how like yeah it, it's like <laughs> it's a it's so borderline offensive as, as a straight white person and that's saying something well that's the thing they were this movie like grant said it seems to bring they said okay let's bring all the elements from you know the original predator movie in a more fucking retarded plot but whatever mm-hmm. as far as like characters go and just like put them in the same room or jungle, whatever, and, you know, try and get the same effective predator out of it. Same, you know, racism they had yeah. back then, but, like, <laughs> it's just, like... stereotyping, but with a, a more diverse cast, so the stereotypes will get more of them? Well, no, like, that's the thing. There's a more... There's a bigger cast, so they have to rely on stereotypes more so for all their characterization. Like, the Wikipedia entry for, you know, the guy from Africa is one line. He, he was a Sierra Leone death squad soldier, and that's it. Like, okay, you fill in all the other points as far as, like, oh, he was probably, like, you know, a child soldier, you know, killed a bunch of people, raped a bunch of people. Like, those are things that I'm filling in because the movie gives me no context. So I'm like, okay, he's a soldier. He's probably, like, a real, you know, asshole guy. And I don't know. I suppose this, this movie's kind of mind-boggling like that, though, because... It, it's just weird like that. They like, just throw this shit in there, like, oh, you know, don't worry about it. Sierra Leone child soldier and got the, the the crazy Mexican drug mafia enforcer. Yeah, it's like, oh, you've seen Danny Trejo in other movies. <laughs> you just fill in the blanks as far as, like, his other characters go because he's typecats as this guy at this point. Like, it's, oh, it's, it's amazing. It's also It's... I, I kind of find it funny. Like, this movie has a... It's funny in that way to me. It's just so over the top with all this shit. It makes Billy talking to the trees and tracking the predator with his Native American sense look tame. Yes. Like, the whole, like, standing on a log and, like, cutting his chest or whatever, like, inviting the predator to attack him, that seems normal, okay? <coughs> Versus, you know, I'm trying to think of some other scene even remotely like that in this movie that could be 
the the guy with the 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 katana he waits for the predator oh, yeah, that... and they, the predator and he have that battle but before he does it he throws his shirt off and like cuts himself a little bit with the katana and then he and the predator duel yeah so, japanese yakuza guy uh, that is that's i think that's the thing for me that kills uh this movie and makes it very disappointing is that they could have done so many more creative things but every time they got a chance to do that they went for the cheap reference they're like, hey, yeah, remember when this happened in Predator? Well, now we're doing it this way. And I don't know whether it's the guy looking at the tree or the sword fight with the guy who stays behind and cuts himself or, you know, Adrian Brody quoting Arnold directly saying, come kill me, come kill me. Well, that and the whole, <clears throat> at the end of the movie, he covered himself in mud. Yeah. yeah. Like really just like rubbed a little mud on his face. Like not even to the level of Arnold, and they did, there was nothing face. in that yeah. movie to establish that they had found out that mud can block their. No, it. they actually mentioned. Um, I think uh, somebody who, who had read the was report. it the sniper, uh, Alison Braga's character. Oh yeah, you're she right. She mentioned like, oh, there was like a debriefing or something from like Arnold's a soldier in the seventies or whatever. Yeah, Ar- and, like, Arnold's deposition thing. Yeah, yeah, it was saying pretty much, oh, Arnold did this and that, and you know, killed one of them, and that was it. That was like their whole thing. And like, oh, he used mud to hide their heat vision, and that was like the little, you know, bit of like, hey, here's a little Chekhov's gun that you're gonna see later. Like, mud, mud, mud. That is the one weakness of predators, which made no sense either. Because then, later in the movie, the crazy black dude in the ship said, like, oh, man, each season, like, when someone dies, they learn from, like, their mistakes. So you think, oh, Arnold killing them using mud, they'd learn saying, oh, hey, okay, mud, yeah, forgot about that. Let's fix our heat vision to, you know, detect mud people. They exist. They do. They're out there. Mud Especially people. Especially Adrian Brody. Yeah. Adrian Brody's waiting for you in the Predator Swamp. He's going to kill you. Well, talk about a guy who's completely miscast in this I know, movie. Yeah. Like, he's trying so hard to be the tough guy. Doesn't work for and him. He, like, it's just, he's trying so hard that you can't believe it. He's trying so hard to be well, the tough guy. Well, I mean, guy. if he's supposed to be, like, Arnold's character, which, I mean, you can sort of get from, you know, his line that he, you know, come kill me, come kill me, the whole mud thing. It just doesn't work for him because it's not like he's not jacked up like Arnold was, you know, in his prime. Right. So it's just like when I see him, it's like, okay, you're trying to be, you know, tough like Arnold. It's not working for me. It's just, you're not selling it to me. Yeah, because he's got like the, is, I, is he a special forces soldier in the movie or is he like a former special forces soldier or yeah, something? He's like something a, he, like that. I don't, he's a mercenary, basically. Okay. But he used to be a special forces yeah. soldier. Yeah, and then okay. the reason why it doesn't work for me is because when Arnold did it, yeah, you got the sense that he was a killer, but that, he also cared about his people, whereas Adrian Brody's trying to just... He's trying to play it so over the top that it's just like he doesn't give a shit about anybody and stuff until the, like, the very end of the movie or something. They give him like a little cheesy arc. Or... Well, I mean, nobody cared about each other really in this movie because, I mean, they were all, you know, psychopath killers in one way or another. So, like, any sort of, like, team dynamic that was there between people, it was like, you can just sort of be discounted, like, oh, they're just trying to save their own skin until they figure out a way to, you know, get off the planet. Including the master killer, 
that not even Dexter or Matlock or Topher Grace or Sherlock Holmes could <laughs> stop <laughs> Eric Foreman, the surgeon who is a serial killer. Apparently, okay, that was, was he a surgeon, I too. I, he had. He just had like I, a random scalpel like I, in his I, hoodie like I that he carries he was around a, a like doctor or something. That's what I got out of it. Th- but that that's so stupid too because they do nothing throughout the rest of the movie to set him up as like a serial killer. Like he's just a stupid useless. Well, the fuck only for most thing, of the movie. The only thing they do to set him up as you know someone who's dangerous is like I think Adrian Brody says like one time, "Oh hey, what's his deal?" Like when they go through, I was like, "Oh." Ex special forces sniper, you know, child soldier. What's this dude's deal? He doesn't fit, and that was like the whole setup for him. Like, he's the oddball out. What's wrong with him? He's the hoodie guy. Yeah, he's the Unabomber hoodie guy. Apparently, I guess because I mean he did have some, you know, explosive ending there. Yeah, he did look all crazy. Eric Foreman, I'm Topher Grace. I'm sorry, he. he He's not threatening. No, he's. he's I think that was the whole point, though. He didn't. He wasn't meant to be threatening. But I mean, if he's like a doctor who kills people, like doctors are usually more subtle. Like, oh, I, you know, gave Michael Jackson too too much medicine. Like, they might never figure me out. Versus him, he's like, just goes up to you know sniper girl and just like cut. (laughs) You're paralyzed. Isn't this hilarious? I I agree with you. Up to the point where they reveal who he actually is, I he's think he's playing it okay because he isn't threatening and you're just wondering why the fuck he's there. But then when he makes that turn and he reveals himself, you know, you would think that he would be a little more intimidating or uh, frightening to yeah. the audience. And it's yeah, just he's still playing the same useless fuck. I that's mean, like, I, I don't, that's why I have a hard time buying that because... Like, I, oh, you took my pictures. Like, that was the same amount of, like, emotion that I got from that. Like, oh, he's still in Spider-Man. Usually, I, I guess when I've seen this done well by actors, it's like there's a real, there's a palpable difference in their character. Like, you're like, oh, I guess they were playing, you know, they were pretending not to be a psychopath all along, but they really are. Eric Foreman just seems like he was a totally normal guy who then was told to act like he was crazy and try to be intimidating and spooky. Mm-hmm. Doesn't work for me. He he just comes off as like a the kid who's smoking clove cigarettes behind the school, waiting for you to ask him about his eyeliner. <laughs> <laughs> when I just I think outside of well, I'm sure this is by design, but outside of the Israeli girl Adrian Brody and maybe Topher Grace, it's like it's impossible to care about any character in this movie because they're all just cannon fodder, pretty much throwaways. I mean, really, the only person that I even slightly cared about was Danny Trejo, but that was nothing to do with this Help movie. Help me, man. Yeah, it had nothing to do with the character in his in this movie. It was because of, you know, the characters he's played in the past. And, like, reading interviews about him, he's like, he's a nice guy in real life, and I can't... Because he's, he's, like, such a distinguishing, like, face and, like, you know, personality just, like, comes to on screen that, like, I can't separate him from, you know everything else he's done. So I'm like, hey, Danny Trejo, yeah, machete, sweet. Well, and that's, you know, in the first Predator, because people will come back and say to us, oh, well, you know, we didn't really know anything about the people in the first Predator movie either. Well, yeah, that's true, but we did get a sense of their personalities because there's a whole lot of establishing that goes on in that movie before the, like anybody even gets killed, right? Yeah, but in this movie, they really just yeah they just throw, throw you in, there. and it's like, 
hey, like cool way to start like an action movie, but shit way to build characters up. Yeah, and it's like, ooh, you know, I'm a Yakuza guy, and I'm a rebel guy from Africa and stuff. It's like, okay, I don't care about you because like, <laughs> you don't do anything except die. Yeah, that's really about what most of these characters do. They just end up dying. Well, and the deaths, actually, in this movie, you'd expect them to be entertaining if the movie was self-aware enough to, you know. Yeah, that's, that was a big problem. I, the deaths weren't very good. Like, thinking back to, like, what you're saying, I'm trying to remember how some of these people died. Like, I can't remember how Death Row guy died. I know he died. He wasn't in, like, the final scenes, right? Oh, yeah, the tarred Death Row guy who, like, attacks one of the... Pre- I think they stab him or something. They, like, cut his throat after they throw him down. I'd say I can't really remember either. It's just... Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I watched this yesterday morning, and, like, I can't remember anymore, like, how half these people died doesn't matter it really doesn't because they there's no effect on the outcome of the movie yeah just eat your popcorn Ex- yeah we should just find a good sound bite of that and loop that eat your popcorn just eat your popcorn from what <laughs> I, I don't know from us the oh, guy okay the voice actor for duke nukem saying that if we can get john st john to say that yeah we yeah can, we'll take it <laughs> who's that one um there's like some guy you can pay in Kenya that wears like a nice looking suit and you can oh, basically uh, big man Tyrone something like that yeah you can like pretty much pay him to like say whatever you want yeah big man Tyrone yeah he has some good videos unfortunately maybe, maybe we should get him to do like the intro to the podcast or something that's gonna be expensive that's gonna be more than the cost of hosting this thing <laughs> wait are you serious like yeah. is that guy actually expensive well he used to be cheap like everything else on that Fiverr website or yeah. whatever, five gig or whatever the fuck it's called but. I guess 4chan discovered him and started using him to insult other people. Yeah. So he raised his prices as he became more and more of a meme. Mm. So now it's like 200 bucks for, you know, uh, the kind of video you'd want. Ah, shit. I know. We need to find the next big man, Tyrone, and get in on the bottom floor. The ground floor? Yeah, the ground floor. Gotcha. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, we could find it. Or we can just go to E3 or something and try to find John St. John or track him down. I mean, you can try and go to his website and see if he has, you know, some services. Hey, will you record Just Eat Your Popcorn for us in the Dudukum voice? Thanks. I, I, if I was a voice actor with Welcome to His Voice, I would totally I know whore myself out like that. He's got a studio in his house. I know that. I would whore myself if I had a you know a studio in my house well, just saying right. things. Talk amongst yourselves. I'm gonna check right now. <laughs> well, so what'd you guys think of Lawrence Fishburne in this movie? I don't get why he went insane and tried to kill everybody. You in my house, motherfuckers. <laughs> I mean, I can kind of get it as far as the fact he's like scavenging like he like lures in, you know, other humans that are being dropped on the planet and like taking their shit. But I don't get why he went so insane as far as, like, talking to the wall or whatever the fuck he was doing. <laughs> and get was the whole scene where Topher Grace was being chased by another alien that wasn't a human or a predator or, you know, a xenomorph or a alien dog or whatever. And it gets shot at by the Israeli girl. So are they using that planet for other hunts of non-humanoid alien or other humanoid like aliens or is it just you know know. eat your popcorn kind of and you know don't think about it too much 
I think they just bring whatever's good to hunt there. I, I just figured if they did, you'd see, you know, uh, a, a fishborn character, like, you know, that's, you know, some, you know, Groot-looking guy, rather than just, you know, Lawrence Fishburn. Well, th- see, that, that <laughs> brings up another thing, though, that's confusing to me. If this is their game-preserved planet, or a game-preserved that they use to hunt people, and they bring humans and other species there... They also seem to be hunting each other, which is kind of strange. The different subspecies of predators hunt each other. And so is it really a game preserve, or is it just kind of like a clusterfuck planet, or, or what? Like well, that, it, that's the, the... I don't get why there was that, you know... What were they? The the lesser predators or whatever like that the smaller ones or something i don't know what oh it's it's strange to me because the lesser the smaller predators are actually the ones that we've seen in every other predator movie yeah and then the big ones with the red eyes that look completely strange they look like giant bugs yeah i i didn't i didn't like the way they they looked compared to the normal predators no. They're very similar, but it's like they elongated their heads more and their mandibles were like much much bigger and the red eyes and they just looked very insect like. I didn't didn't but really like that. If it was a game preserved planet, like you would think what what are we calling those bigger ones? Alpha predators or what? Sure. I'm I'm doing that now. Alpha predators. Yeah. I'm going to call them Zack Predators. Zack Predators? Zack Predators. Where is Zack coming from? You know. Zack R., our good friend. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Zack Predators. So, yeah, the Zack Predators. Um, <laughs> Zack They would have hunted out the, the smaller ones, like, at some point in time. Like, I feel like they would have dropped the smaller ones on the planet and then, you know, hunted them. But they have this little, like, encampment built up with fires and stuff and one of them just like hanging out there well they've got the smaller predator chained there as bait for the humans or something to investigate it is what it seemed like because then that the one guy goes in there to check it out and then the the zach predators come out hmm. like you fell in our trap yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll get you got my lasers and my discs got my lasers and my discs and they tackle them after the play's over and it's brutal so I guess these Zack Predators are more, they don't have that same sense of like putting themselves on a level playing field with their prey that no, you see I, the other ones do in different movies. I got the impression that they were like the Neanderthal Predators or Caveman Predators. Which ones? The the Zack Predators. Oh, yeah? Like the that smaller. still have like interstellar spaceships? Okay. I guess maybe they're like the Packlets then. What I thought of them more so are like some backwater version of Predator who like, you know, kidnaps a bunch of humans and is like, let's go hunt them. Deliverance Predators? Yeah. (laughs) Possible. They're missing their space banjos. They definitely seem more primitive. No, though. they have the space whistle. That's their banjo. Oh, okay. See, now if they had played the the Deliverance dueling banjos music, then I would have known. Like dun 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 dun. Yeah, I, I, flute. Don't you guys think that though? That compared to the predators we usually see, they they are kind of Neanderthal-ish 
because they their design is even it looks much more primitive than the normal predator. I mean, they've got like their masks look like jaw bones hanging off their masks and stuff like that. Yeah, I just started in my mind when watching this movie, like keeping track of the uh, the the other predators. Like, oh hey, there's Jaws since he had a giant like. I don't know what sort of jaw that's from, but I'm like, okay. I guess it's a little different from, like, you know, the skull trophy, but whatever. Eh, whatever. But, no, I, I agree that, like, they're definitely, like, a different species of predator that seems less evolved as far as, like, I don't You don't really get a much of a sense of, like, what they're like in this movie compared to, you know, as much as, like, Alien vs. Predators is an awful movie, they still, you know, give some insight to what the predators are like. A little bit. I mean, me that's a little bit too really much. stretching and giving it probably too much credit. But, yeah, th- these ones just don't seem as cultured, I guess. <laughs> just really, really giving it way too much credit. Giving Alien vs. Predators too much credit there. This movie's fucking stupid. It is stupid. Like, but again, it's not like I hated it as much as Alien vs. Predators. Those those movies I hated with a passion, and this one left a very bad taste in my mouth. If I was, if I just ate my popcorn and shut up, I feel like I would like this movie better. But I'd rather watch AVP one than Predators. AVP one, the one where they go into the ice pyramid. Did I watch AVP two or did I? You watched one. Oh. Where they go to Antarctica and they go through the whaling town that's on yes. top of the pyramid. Yeah. And two is the one I skipped. Yes. But two, you said, was worse. Yeah, two is horrible, but I just the end of Predators I confuses me and makes me angry when Adrian Brody and this really sniper girl are like, Oh well, we gotta find some other way off the planet as like I guess another shipment of humans arrive in parachutes or something. So they killed all of the Zack Predators, right? I think so. Or the ones that were there. So who's dropping the humans on the planet or whatever? On the I planet? think they were setting it up that you would want to find out in the sequel. That never got made. Yeah. That's that's good. That didn't get made. Because it probably would have turned out like Alien vs. Predators 2 or Predator 2 or... Yeah, that's just... Know. I don't know. Stupid. The movie ends with them going into the woods to find a spaceship and... If I had any popcorn left, I would have thrown it at the screen. Yeah. It, it was... Mm. Yeah, it was awful. It made no fucking sense. It, it, it did make no sense. I just want to go to, like... I want a time machine, and I want to go to the rap party one of these movies and just observe, be a fly on the wall. I mean, really, I, I kind of want to... I mean, you, you kind of get that feeling watching some of those documentaries that came from episode one where like George is sitting in his seat and he's like bouncing around like a little kid like hoo, 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 I made the movie and like the people around him are like you know nervously clapping and whatnot like oh when they're oh, in the yeah. theater yeah, yeah yeah oh and the editor's like yeah so um kind of a tone problem here going from the funny part with Jar Jar to Qui-Gon getting stabbed to death so maybe we should work on that and George is like, no, it's great. Yeah. And like everyone at like after watching, you know, the I guess final cut or something like that, they're all like, you know, clapping, you know, like, you know, a golf clap not like thing, like not like actually being excited that, you know, they finished something. They just like saw the, you know, 
result of you know their yeah. hundreds of hours of work and it's just like fuck we have to sell this now <laughs> do you I mean do you think that's what's going on here or do you think the people see i'm thinking that a lot the people of people that worked on this movie just don't give two shits they're in it for a paycheck i'd like to think that but i think at least some of them have the george lucas reaction where this is like gonna be the predator movie to define predator movies and it's we're gonna fucking blow the arms forts and they're going out of the water we got a new cast Got some new predators with laser guns. It's gonna be great. High mm. five, bro. I do see it that way. Especially, I think the the direction really lends a lot of um, ammo to that critique that you just made. That this is really a, like a fan fiction film. It's predator fan fiction. It's like they're taking all the references that you would want to see in a movie as fans and then they're just trying to spin them the way they want to spin them and it just doesn't work because fan fiction is really bad at plotting and story i could see that actually yeah they they went to fanfiction.net grabbed the predator script reworked it a little <coughs> cast some people you know brought them in for a few weeks and then called it a a wrap and sold it. Yeah, let's uh, let's check fanfiction.net. Are you really looking to see yeah. if there's Predator fanfiction on fanfiction.net? Yeah, of course. Because Aliens. you're just looking up the house truck stop rape story again, aren't you? No, no. <laughs> uh, I mean, as long as you don't go down that one path you did last time you on fanfiction.net with. The Payday X Bleach story. <laughs> Wasn't that great, though? It, it, it was a little amusing to see how deprived some of these people that write these are. Like, more so than I could possibly imagine. It's like, oh, hey, Payday Gang, let's just, like, rape this random woman. Like, whoa, that just took a weird turn. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, yeah, there's a lot of good stuff on here. Any Never. crossovers that are worth mentioning? Uh, let's see here. Dragon Ball X Predator. No? Sorry, hold on a second. <laughs> you're, you're trying to process this? My Xenomorph. Cat was an 11-year-old who thought her life couldn't get any worse. Comma, she thought it was boring. Comma. That is until the day the military came and creatures known as quote-unquote xenomorphs showed up. She doesn't know what to do, comma, until she finds a little snake being chased by a marine. She saves it and takes care of the little critter, not knowing that it will grow up to be a monster, capital M monster. So I, I just have to ask because I'm sure that was all one sentence only with the commas you were stating. Yes. Are, wait, are you serious right now? Yeah. Oh, wow. Absolutely. Hmm. So everybody should go to fanfiction.net and, and check out... Uh, My little xenomorph. <laughs> check out all this shit. <laughs> this just looks hilarious. But anyway... I mean, really just read the synopsis on fanfiction, maybe the titles. Do not go into the stories too much because you'll want to, like, you know just kill yourself after you read a little bit just from the awful writing that they have where it's like they write out something and really know it and just paste it up there. It's bad. 
really bad. Anyway, Justin. Yeah? What's up? I found the name of that museum we were struggling for. Oh, yeah? What's that? For the museum you and I visited is the Sir John Soane's Museum. That is S-O-A-N-E. And it's uh, actually right near the, uh, yeah, Farringdon Tube Station. Mm. I recommend everybody check it out if they're in London. It's a museum packed full of all the shit some Victorian explorer stole during his work. Yeah. I mean, if you keep it in that context in your mind, it's really fucking hilarious to walk through there and just see, like, just imagine this guy, you know, loading up an entire, like, ship. And then the ship that he brought along, like, hey, just throw more, you know, cool-looking rocks and, you know, priceless art in there for my house back home. Like... That's what we were thinking about when we were in there. I think you and I were both laughing our asses off because it was like, imagine when this guy actually lived here. This fucking drawing room is full of these Roman statues he came, brought back in, you know, complete condition. He's just going to have his breakfast next to them. Yeah. And go He's out like his eating garden. his eggs and tea like next to there and just like, hey, oh yeah, I remember taking that. <laughs> yeah, and then walks into the next room. It's like, oh yeah, I, I pried like the jewels out of that statue and put them here. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I like ripped the eyes out of this like, you know, Mayan statue or something yeah, like that. no like, big deal. <laughs> whatever. Yeah, <sighs> it, it was pretty hilarious. It was a good time. So check out the Sir John Stone Museum if you're in London. It's definitely, it's not a full day thing. It's maybe, you know, something you do before lunch and, you know, grab lunch afterwards. Oh, yeah. I think that's what we did, actually. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I would definitely say go ahead. It's like something you can do in the morning and then do something else in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. So probably a couple hours if you want to exhaustively search through it. But Yeah, it's a small house, but it's packed to the brim. He made good use of vertical space. Yes. Yes, he did. He built a lot of shelves. I get the feeling he had a shelf guy working for him pretty regularly. Good thing there aren't earthquakes in London. Yes, good thing there are not earthquakes in London. Otherwise, that would have been a, quite a job cleaning all that up. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, now you can read aloud what I just sent you. Uh, what is this from? Just before I start reading, or should I just like no context start reading? It's a, it's a description from one of the fan fiction synopses. Like you said, just read the... Uh, okay. The is boy. there a title to this one or just... I, I don't, can't tell you the title. Okay, okay. Um, an Umin, not human, an OO man, a Umin pregnant with bad blood Yatja's child is recovered from earth and against her will is made to live on the Yatcha planet, and her caretaker overseer falls in love with her. It's called Bad Blood, so it looks pretty awesome. That doesn't sound very good. No, it sounds like the plot of Prometheus. Haha, transition. Boom. Uh, not. Oh. You know what? Not the best transition there, but. No. But Prometheus, I think, is a similar in plot to that. I kind of want to hear what you think about that because for me, when I first saw Prometheus, I hated it. And I have probably seen it six times since that initial time I saw it. Mm -hmm. And with each viewing, I come away feeling that I don't hate the movie as much. There are serious things wrong with it, but that I don't know that it, it has something more to it than like the shitty kind of, alien versus predator predators type stuff that we've been talking about as of late and that it tries to approach something 
great, although it doesn't get there. Yeah. And I come away with this from this movie, and I just feel I don't feel disappointed. Even I just feel like the movie is so uneven that I walk away and and I just say, God, like I don't was the movie too smart for me, or am I too smart for the movie? And it just goes back and forth with me. It's it's hard to figure out. Yeah, that was the thing that I really got when watching it. Like, I was watching it, and it was an odd mix of, like, you know, bits of action elements, bits of mystery. And they seemed kind of oddly paced, I guess, in my opinion. But then, like, after I finished the movie, I'm like, because oh, this was the first time I've seen the movie. Like, I sort of knew it was, you know, a prequel to the whole Alien, you know, franchise. And it sort of set up a lot of the backstory to that. But after I finished watching the movie, it was one of those things I went out to, you know, Google and said, you know, Prometheus, you know, plot explained or something. Because, like, I got, like, the basic plot, but it's like Grant said. It felt like there was something else there that, you know, they wanted you to maybe pick up on or just like subconsciously like pick up on and be like hey like you know this relates to something else like or there's a deeper meaning to the whole thing with like the prometheus you know name or whatever of you know stealing fire from the gods and having his gut cut open day after day which i mean that happened a lot in this movie with guts being cut open but yeah i went down that path and found some stuff i really didn't expect to find as far as like plot elements just that apparently Ridley's got meant to put in the movie so yeah apparently according to Ridley Scott when they were saying the headless alien was 2,000 years old that was supposed to imply that they sent a space Jesus to earth that was killed 2,000 years ago and killed by us did you pick up on that no I didn't either, and that's the first time I've heard that. And I have to say that I think that is absolutely retarded. Uh, uh, yeah, that that sounds stupid to me. Uh, again, one of the big things that this movie suffers from is just that it's a setup for yet another sequel. Yeah. And that's... so it really doesn't answer any of its own questions in this film. So we're going to have to wait to see if that really plays out, which is annoying. This is It seems like Lost, the film. Oh, yes, because Damon Lindelof was involved. I, I can see his hand in it, though. It's just, here. hey, remember this reference before? Here's a new question about it. Here's another question. Here's a mystery. Here's the black goo. Yeah, see, the, I never saw Lost, but I, I guess. Why are they making more black goo? Who fucking knows, man? That, that is where this movie, I've, it is attempting, it seems like it's attempting to reach for greatness, and it just falls short of that. Well, what, it feels like what they tried to do was they reach for greatness by leaving open mysteries for you to fill in versus exactly. like the other alien and aliens movies. Like they're more so like kind of explaining to you like, Oh, there are the eggs and you, the queen and they face the face huggers. And it's like fairly straightforward. Whereas this one, it's like some sort of black goo things. And somehow there's snakes that crawl out of them and go into your face and like, okay, Sure. Apparently, like, dropping a bit of the black goo makes an alien baby when you have sex. I, I don't know, like, why. Yeah, the, the squid monster attacks the engineer at the end, and he's the space jockey from Alien. But was he? 
Was he? I know. I like. I thought like because I was watching this and like you know the last scene before. Prior to that, you see him, he's in, you know, the giant, you know, navigator's chair or whatever. Um, and then, like, oh, like, you know, the ship's going to crash, he's going to be there, and that's the space jockey they find. But then they show him, you know, running into the lifeboat ship where the alien squid thing is, and, you know, then that attacking him. I'm like, oh, then who was that space jockey from the first movie in the navigator's chair? Then who the, was space jockey? Exactly. They, yeah, it's it's established. They, they've said that this is not the same planet. Oh, at, it's not the same planet. No, as? it's not. It's not LV four two six. Oh, it's LV two three three. Yeah, yeah. Or Sorry, two two three. Yeah. So it's a different planet. Jeez, Justin. And it, it's not the same guy in the chair, but it, they're of the same species. Yes. Yeah, that's the sense I got from everything, and the the black goo. Um, Black, it just seems like it's some like really potent mutagen or something. The black goo, I think, was supposed to be like like prior to reading the whole explanation thing, since it sort of delved into this, it was like you know three or four pages long of this, but um, I won't go into all of it. It was liquid retribution for killing Jesus. Well, no, basically the black goo was like a primordial soup type thing that the engineers could use to you know seed planets. Yeah, but it was also the way it evolves past its primordial soup stage it's based on like the emotions of either engineers or humans that are interacting with it yeah so the whole idea is that humans interacting with it are greedy for life uh-huh like you know old man whalen like him interacting with it creates these like you know greedy aliens monsters that constantly want to reproduce versus the engineers are more self-sacrificial type thing that's that's what they claim to be getting at, but it's like, really? That sounds so kind of bullshitty. The like, engineers, the black goo is the engineers, their negative emotions they left behind when they evacuated the planet? Well, no, it's their negative emotions <laughs> from killing space Jesus is the whole like bullshit plot that they came so up it's, with. So it's their skin of evil, you might say? Skin of evil? What? Star Trek Next Generation reference. Yeah. Oh, I missed on that because, you yeah, know. I know. Yeah. I, no, Justin, that... that explanation sounds like complete bullshit to it, me. it really does but then like <laughs> it, it seems like something that they write saying like oh hey it's supposed to work this way and then we're gonna write a script that doesn't tell you that and just like oh hey it does like this weird thing it bubbles like why does it bubble i don't know like yeah it, I, I that's what i was saying about like terminator last week though as an audience member as an audience member, you got to tell me this stuff. I can only see what's on the screen. If Ridley well, Scott's whole intention was to tell the story of Jesus and the revenge for him dying and evil begats evil and old man Wayland's greedy, so he gets like a, I don't even know, like a, lump an ironic, of coal. <laughs> an ironic twist in his wish, his little Faustian bargain. Like, you, you got to fucking tell me that, man. You can't well, just no, no, say no, no, it no. later. I, I kind of disagree with that because, like, there are movies out there that do the whole, like, oh, it's like a level deeper than just, you know, eat your popcorn and shut up type movie. But this one's like, tries to be three levels deeper and doesn't tell you shit along the way. Like, That's what I mean, though. Like, you, you can't come back as the director and claim that there's like this super deep experience going on and this is a metaphor and it, when you, you offer no explanation for that in the movie, you don't even hint at it. Yeah. You can't just go back and say like, oh, it's too deep for you. You don't get it. Here's what was really going on. Like, if you're yeah, going to do symbolism, fine, you can catch that, but 
if you're going to say it's like a, a parable for space Jesus, then you, you really need to put a little bit of that into the film that people can see instead of just saying, you guys don't get it. You guys are fucking well, retards. Just to play devil's advocate, yeah, there are a few hints about that as far as like, you know, this is a stretch, but the 2,000 years ago comment for the headless alien, the whole like, uh, what's her name being, having the cross around her neck all the time and having like, you know, a baby being born out of her that shouldn't be born, like, you know, virgin birth type thing. But yeah, it's a stretch, real big fucking stretch. And like, you can't just claim, oh, because of those elements, you know, you're going to have space Jesus in your movie. Like, it, it's just too much of a stretch. And Zach's, you're trying too hard to like be deeper than you really are. Zack Snyder's profile shots of Superman in the church next to Jesus in Man of Steel. Is yes, a, that's exactly what it is. This okay. is more... Yeah, I would say is, Zack Snyder does a better job of communicating his little parable than Ridley Scott did if that was his intention to tell the story of beheaded space Jesus. I don't think they beheaded Jesus either. I, I gotta look that up. Well, no, no, up. no. That, that beheaded guy wasn't space Jesus. What happened was, Ridley Scott claims to happen was, basically on Earth... Yeah. Around that time, you know, the Romans are killing a bunch of people, so they send an uh, emissary there saying, hey, stop being dicks to each other, mm-hmm. which, Jesus, whatever, okay. Okay. And then the Romans, you know, pin them up on, you know, and stick them out in, you know, the desert for a bit on a cross. Yeah. And he dies. So all the space engineers get angry, and they're like, hey, we're going to fucking end your planet now with, you know, our black of evil but it turns on them and then they're all they die on their spaceship before they get you know the weapon off their planet yeah real fucking stretch there i want to throw a water do you want to see do you want me to read this quote of no 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 i'm having a vietnam flashback to somebody's 30 page essay i read one time on why neo is a stand-in for jesus in the matrix I mean, that's what it felt like, kind yeah. of. Like, it's this, like, big stretch of, like, oh, hey, like, we're really deep, like, too deep for you to understand. It's only going to be, like, you know, no one gets it sort of thing. Like, what, what I would prefer to believe about this movie, just based on what they show me on the screen, is that the black goo is just some kind of, like, bioweapon mutagen thing that they have used to create life on different planets or seed life, mm-hmm. and that... It is very unpredictable and acts in really strange ways that they can't control, and they lost control of it on this planet when they were planning to destroy Earth for whatever reason, which they never answer because the sequel, right? Yeah. And that seems like the the basic plot to me, the backstory, and I get that. It's just, again, like you can't pretend that you're being so deep and just posing all these questions and just posing questions makes you very deep and you don't answer any of them. I mean, that is that is like next level Lost shit because that's exactly what they did in Lost for six goddamn years. They just wrote themselves into a corner, asked a bunch of questions, never answered them, moved into another corner, never answered the questions until they got to the end where they just said, oh yeah, everybody's dead. That's what happened. It was all it was all in their heads. Whoa, spoilers. Yeah, well. I, I have never se- had actually seen Lost, but I don't really want to see it anyway. No, you, well, if you, I mean, if you haven't seen it by now, 
you know, you can just read the spoilers and the dissertations that people have gotten their PhDs off of probably <laughs> are all over the internet about Lost and its disappointing ending. Yeah, talk about, I was disappointed in the ending of this movie. The best plan they could come up with is to have, what was it, Idris Elba crash the spaceship? Yes, and when you have a guy like Idris Elba, like that is some a real flaw in this movie, just criminal underuse of great actors. Yeah, they they seem to put the boring people in the the roles that have more to do yes. than someone like Idris Elba, who would have been much cooler. Yeah, like it seems like mm. all he's there to do is say, like, you know, load the one you're with and crash the ship into the alien right. ship. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. He's he's there and and to fuck Charlize. But mainly his job at the end is to be like, oh, I knew you guys were going to help me out. And the other guy's like, you're a bad pot anyway. And they crash into the ship and go, woo. Yeah, that didn't seem earned at all. Stupid. Like, those two guys, like, they were there for the money, right? So they would be like, no, I'm not going to kill myself yeah, for like, you, you old man. Well, you. we're on board with the suicide mission, man. We're going to collect our yeah. money when we're done, Let's right? Let's do it. Well, I mean, the whole thing was there that they pretty much, well, I mean, they have no reason to believe this, but they pretty much said, oh, this thing's going to go destroy Earth. So if you don't do something, there's going to be no Earth to go back to. So they're just going to be floating around space, like, doing nothing and die. I, mean, I wouldn't buy it, personally. I, I, I suppose, Justin, that I could, I, I could see that. Uh, it, if, indeed, that is true, and I, I'm just being too cynical, I, I think at least it was a little rushed. Well, yeah, that's yeah. the thing. Like, you have this, you know, you have, uh, shit, I can't remember her name. Uh, Elizabeth Shaw, whatever was that yeah. her name? The yeah. character's name, the Cross Girl. Yeah, Cross Girl. Um, she's like running radio and saying, "Oh, they're gonna go destroy Earth," and like that's all you know. The pilot has to go on saying like, "Oh shit." Hmm. Well, I guess me dying and a couple of my crewmates dying here is better than all of Earth. Maybe, but then how did Earth get destroyed at the end of you know? <clears throat> Which movie was that, that they landed Resurrection. On? Resurrection, yes. Yeah. Oh, my God. Who knows? Who and, cares? Yeah, I don't care. I'm just saying if I'm a pilot who got paid the whole deal with going to this stupid planet, was they're going to pay you a fuck ton of money to do it? Hey, uh, Vickers, are you a robot? Yeah, it's some crazy <laughs> lady running around <laughs> the planet. Hey, they're going to blow Earth up. Like, eh, maybe, but I'm certainly not going to fly my fucking one chance to get back to Earth into this other ship. Uh, wait, did they say something about there being other ships, or was that in the other movie? There are I'm... other engineer ships on the planet, I okay. assume, yeah. Yeah, that's how she and David get off the, the planet. David's head. Yeah, David. Well, they t- she takes his body, too. Oh, did, you're right. Did they yeah. actually get off the planet? I don't yeah, know. they did, because at the end of the movie, they show uh, another alien engineer ship taking off and blasting off into space. Oh, okay. And she was I... doing her little sign-off. I, I didn't remember that last scene. I just remembered the scene after that. With it's a good thing she found the instruction manual on the floor. Well, no, it said that you David, know, David was able to fly with his headless body. Oh, was he? It's a Be- good thing David knew how to fly the alien spaceship. I think didn't they say she was going because to because he was able to... to read all the instruction manuals and <laughs> read the flute. Thing. I, I, I guess like <laughs> she was going to reattach his head to his body. He read the FAQ that the aliens just had nailed to the wall. I think the FAQ is those little holographic things where, like, you know, the alien plays the flute and, like, sets it down and presses the buttons. Yeah. It's it's full fucking thing. Smiley alien ripping David's face off after petting him on the head like a dog. (laughs) And David's, like, all smiley, like, yay! Well, I think it goes back to the whole too deep for you kind of thing, because, like, 
the engineers created humans, right? And then the humans create these, you know, but, robots. Okay. So, I, like, you know, it's like, oh, like, you're, you know, a creation of my creation. That's neat. Fuck you, human. Like, bash you with, yeah. bash your, you know, creator with your own head. That's like, That's why to understand this movie or to attempt to understand it, I think it's almost necessary that people have to watch the the marketing viral promotional materials that they did for this movie, which are numerous. Well, I, can you explain those? Because I really... When this movie came out, I it wasn't even on my radar as far as like something I wanted to sure. see. Yeah, I mean, they're all on YouTube now. And I think the most prominent one is that they do like this fictional TED Talk in like 2025 or something. And Guy Pierce as Peter Wayland is coming out and giving this TED Talk about... Prometheus and how humanity has evolved to this point where like we're no longer constrained by you know all these different things that right now you know in the real world we are constrained by and that we're on the verge of creating an artificial intelligence which turns out to be the androids that David represents and that that makes us the new gods so I have having seen that and then having seen what happens in the movie I I kind of see there there the theme that runs through it is this idea that you know be careful what you grasp for be careful what the knowledge is that you seek because it could be very deadly and also that you're messing with forces that you don't understand isn't that kind of the whole I mean if if you just want to get the too deep for you sort of thing going like the whole thing of Prometheus giving fire from the gods to humans that's the whole, you know, reaching for too much sort of thing. It and is a little bit because they, they don't execute it very well in the film. No, they, but the execution on this is yeah. great. And Ridley Scott obviously watched uh, Battlestar Galactica before he wrote this then. Fill me in there because, yeah. <laughs> the, the TED Talk about, like, we're creating AI, so we're the new gods. Like right, Cylons. The Cylons. Yeah. The humans create the Cylons who then turn on them. Mm, okay. But there's like the Cylons who are conflicted about killing their makers because, you know, aren't humans like our, our creators? Like, why should we kill them? Okay. There's that whole deal. Again, we, we keep, I think we keep, we keep coming back in circles around to the, the central point. It's, it's so irksome that they, they pose all this stuff to us and then they just don't answer it like we're left hanging on everything and it's just again like yeah oh, you have to watch the sequel to yeah, find but out i mean if that's what bothers me about these movies because if you want to have the movie that is you know for the artur only it you know it's so inaccessible that you almost you have to be a genius to get it and you have a bunch of people pretending they get it so they can be cool just have one of those stupid french films where you throw an egg against the wall in black and white and cut back to it eight times while it drips down and, or make me a four-hour movie and just and take me through the whole the thing. Fucking people will clap <laughs> at it so they look like they're intelligent. That's Prometheus. You don't need to do that. You just need to tell me about aliens. Yeah. Just, or at least or, just focus on, you know, the space jockey. Because, like, right. I mean, that's really what the movie was about. But they dance around even what they're about and what their motivations are. But even, like, when they, they land on the planet. Okay. Yes. They find this, the, oh, my God, we found it. We found the caves. We're expert geologists who get lost in the cave. Oh, we're dead. Then eventually we find Master Engineer in his chamber. He tears David's head off, kills Wayland, flies away, gets hit by the other ship. Okay. Why? Oh, because the alien xenomorph thing shows up like a little bit at the end. Okay, I guess that sort of makes sense, but could we not have focused on one of those threads and, you know, 
gone beginning to end with that. They know that the the engineers were going to destroy Earth, so that guy is clearly just fulfilling the mission that they always intended to do before the outbreak of the the black goo happened. And I think the the insertion of the proto alien thing at the end of the film is kind of cheesy. It's just kind of a actually not kind of it is a nod to the other movies saying like hey remember this again and i guess they shoehorned into this movie just to show how unpredictably powerful the black goo is and just raising yet another question about that stuff that they don't answer and yeah kind of a letdown for me though that the aliens are a product of the black goo i always just thought it was cooler if the aliens were some you know unknown insectoid race that the but see, we don't know. We don't really know, like because the thing that comes out of the engineer at the end, it's it's kind of an alien, but it's not. And so it's like, how do we get to the aliens that we see in the other movies? We still don't know, and they're just teasing us. Evolution, yeah, wave well, hand. right? Yeah, don't you don't need to see my identification. Yeah, I I just yeah. thought it would be cooler if the aliens were just the insects that the the engineers are studying, and they got loose when the humans found the eggs. That that was more interesting to me than. They're the X-Men of space, the product of the black goo experiments. Well, they're the turtles of space, right? It's oh, the, the ooze, ooze. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The secret, secret of the ooze. ooze. Yeah. You know what? If they want to title it Prometheus 2, The Secret of the Ooze, I'll go see it. <laughs> That's, that, sounds like a, that sounds like a great title, actually. I would go see that. I would love that. Yeah. It's so stupid. Like, I, yeah. I would definitely be into that. But. but but jump back to even the beginning of the movie where this starts. It just Things like my brain started to go on fire just a little bit and things start to go awry because they start the movie out by like chipping away and showing like oh look it's a cave painting of some guy and then they they don't explain any of that shit and they jump immediately to like up oh, they're on the spaceship and they're they're already well it's it's a cave painting and it's yeah. ooh, it's a star map and all these other these other cultures made other star maps that are similar so ergo they all point to this one planet that we now know exists we're on the spaceship on the way to it and as an audience member you're just like what well, I, I understand why the filmmakers would do, why Ridley would do that and put that in there. Let's say, okay, you need a little bit of establishing before we get to the part where, you know, all the, we land on the planet. And then, you know, because the, the point where it starts on there on the ship, it's remarkably similar to the first Alien movie, just the basic plot of this film. Yeah. They land on planet, they find bad thing, bad thing starts fucking up shit, they have to, you know, try to escape planet, blah, 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 hilarity ensues, all that stuff. Yeah. But I guess they had to put the thing in there to rationalize, you know, oh, the cave paintings, that has something to do with why we're out here. It's I guess the, I'm just missing the, yeah. the middle step, because, like, Jurassic Park, it's a reminded, this reminded me of Jurassic Park, Donald Gennaro is on the raft, goes to the amber mine, finds the amber mine foreman who's like, aha, I found a mosquito. You know, ooh, they got to get Dr. Grant because Grant's a digger like me. And then they have that middle part where Mr. DNA explains why the mosquito's fucking important. And we kind of get the, the that middle part when the two scientists are explaining the cave paintings and why they got sent out here for all that. But again, the guy with the the red-haired guy sums it up perfectly. He's like, oh, so we're out here because you two kids found a cave painting and that's how... I as an audience member felt when I was watching that. It's like, okay, you really ah, now I don't know. <laughs> That's what I mean. Yeah. Like, you can't just have your middle part has to be like to I think to the the mystery DNA level of precision and presentation, not just saying like, well, we found these cave paintings, and the other guys are like, so we're out here because you kids found a cave painting. Yeah, but I think it, that's one of the things they'll just say like, oh, 
tune in next week for the right. It's, sequel. It, it's fucking like, weird that so many of the movies we've talked about, that. <laughs> they, they suffer from too much exposition. And this one could have used some more exposition in that, in that very beginning part. So we kind of, I got left behind a little and you just have to catch up very quickly. But then when you catch up, it's just like, you don't really ever catch <clears throat> up. You're, you're just confronted with more mysteries that they're going to solve next time. Yeah. And let me see. I mean, I've been shitting on this movie quite a bit and when we were talking, so there are good things about this movie. I mean, it's it's generally, like, I would watch it again. It's I think it's a generally enjoyable film, as frustrating to a person's intellect as it can be. I love the visuals. The thing looks great. I mean, yeah. don't you? The movie looks perfect. I can't, I wish I had seen this in IMAX, actually. Yeah. And just the, I think that's just chalks it up to Ridley, because he's a very visual director, and he did a really good job, again, of creating this awesome world. Actually, I don't agree with that entirely. I thought those space jockeys without their helmets looked a little goofy, personally. But beyond, besides that, all the other effects were done really well. They looked a little CGI. Yeah. Yeah, I, get, I buy that. I do. Because especially in that one scene where the like the head's exploding yeah. in, inside the containment unit. I, like, I was thinking when, you know, uh, the one space jockey got all, you know, Hulk angry and smashed Whalen and you know, ripped off <laughs> David's head sort of thing. That just looked a little goofy to me. Um, but yeah, everything else in the movie, like you said, it really looks good because, I don't know, it, besides the space jockeys, they didn't do a lot of CGI work to seem like. It looked like, you know, when they found, you know, the pile of dead space jockeys or engineers, whatever, they, I mean, those looked like, you know, actual, you know, physical, you know, set pieces rather than, you know, some CGI pile of bodies. Yeah, I'm very happy that Ridley Scott apparently at least built some sets for this. Mm-hmm. Because he could have George Lucas this and made them all stand in front of blue blobs, right? And they built the the vehicles they're using in the movie. Those were real working vehicles. Yep. They actually built them from the ground up, which I can appreciate. And the yeah. spaceship was obviously a lot of built interior sets, absolutely. Yeah. And the the suits they designed the suits that they're wearing. That all the costume, obviously, all that stuff. They did all that stuff, and it looks very unique. And they got that proto. Um, alien architecture look to the ship, so it kind of looks like the Nostromo, but very much nicer. Like Apple designed it a bit, yeah. Uh, and I like they even right down to the logos on everything, the Wayland logos on all the stuff, and like right on David's thumbprint or his fingerprint is a Wayland yeah. logo. I mean, that's that's the level of detail that I really appreciate. The only thing that didn't work for me is when they crashed the ship into the other ship. Uh, did that? Look, did you think it looked bad? It looked, well, I mean, aside from it being, I guess, a stupid plot thing, like I had said earlier, yeah, it, it looked kind of sci-fi original movie to me. Oh, uh, see, I didn't think that looked that, I didn't th- notice it looking that bad at all. It's just, I had the problem from your perspective with the, the plot thing, like why, you know, absolutely like why they had to do that. Well, I think well, in a vacuum it looks okay, but as compared to the rest of the movie, I think that that was just... It didn't look as good to me. The one thing in the scene that really irked me was when um, Vickers and Shaw were, like, running from, like, you know, the ship rolling onto them. Oh, God, yeah. It's like, all right, guys, you can work, like, walk, you know, 20 feet this way or that way or run, you know, a kilometer that way. I know. She apparently can't run sideways. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> it, it just was like, okay, I, I can't not laugh at this. Like... <laughs> 
Well, it's just too the, much for me. The characters in the movie, uh, it's. I think it does suffer from that. It's it's a whole bunch of people I don't care about thing, especially like the two first guys to get killed, the stupid red-haired guy and the biologist guy mm-hmm. who is apparently super afraid of everything, even though he's a scientist. So yeah, <laughs> I don't even like, I know he was there like on the ship and, you know, I'm sure he went into the cave, but I don't remember him up until the point where, you know, the ge- geologist guy was like, you coming back with me? And he's like, yeah. And like that was, I'm like, oh wait, who's he? A biologist? Oh, okay, whatever. Well, and that's the dumbest decision. It's so dumb. Like, why would they? Why would the others even let them leave? Why would they even let them split up from the group? Like, that just makes no sense. Because, because the plot, the script demanded it, right? The script said so. That sort of thing. Like, you really think there'd be some sort of commander on, you know, this exploration thing where you know their word is law, and you know mutiny like that will be punished sort of thing but it's like oh hey like let's just go explore this cave because it's christmas yay i'm like what huh what are you talking about if you were like the first expedition to the super creepy alien planet with the weird shit you'd have some sort of structure of like you know you follow me and you'd have some ground rules like nobody goes off scooby-doo style by themselves you know don't touch shit like yeah yeah, yeah. don't fucking take your helmet off and get you know exploratory with the shit around you Scan yeah. it with your laser scanner and, you know... Right. Even the, colo- even the Colonial Marines in the second one had that rule. Like, the, the Sarge is like, nobody touch nothing. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. Like, it, would, it seems like this would be the type of exploration that would make sense to have that sort of structure in place rather than just, you know, willing to do what they want. I mean, I get that in the other movie, they're Marines and they always have that, you know, order structure, but still, you... You set some ground rules before you go and explore some ancient alien cave. Yeah, and see, that's that's the weird part because they they say ostensibly that uh, Holloway and Shaw, the two scientists, are in charge, but then Charlize Theron's character tells them like five minutes in that no, you're not in charge because you know I represent the company here and we spent all this money getting here. So, but then she doesn't really have an adjutant sent out to be the person in charge when they're doing their away team mission. You know, it's I, I think it, it could be David, but David just seems like he's the assistant to the scientists. Like, he defers to them a lot. And he's, no, David, he's in my mind, so- he was someone with his own agenda, which was right, Waylon's agenda. Right. David was like a sleeper agent. Yeah. He's working Waylon's agenda. Yeah. 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 And okay. he was playing along, helping the scientists, until Mr. Waylon reactivated himself and then said, David, ask the engineer to make me not die. Yeah, he might have well. he, he might have fucked up the translation. It's possible. <laughs> and I don't. I, okay, the Holloway, the scientist guy, he's an idiot. That's why I don't like his character. He's a moron. He, he takes his helmet off, and you know it's like, oh, I can breathe the air. Okay, well there might be pathogens, there might be bacteria. Just because you can, yeah. doesn't mean you should. Like that's well, that might yeah. be the message of this movie, right? Uh, you just might have just hit on it. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. Deep. Wow. Deep. That is pretty deep, man. Ten levels deep. It's too deep for me. That should be a message for Ridley Scott. Just because yeah. you can get a studio to greenlight a movie doesn't mean you should. But anyway, the Holloway guy, he's an idiot. He does all these stupid things. Uh, for being a scientist, he's actually remarkably abusive, I think, to uh, like another life form, basically. I mean, mean, he he talks shit to David the whole movie. 
until oh. he dies. Like yeah. he's making fun of him the whole movie. Like, oh, how are your lessons going? Uh, like, you know, why do you wear a suit? You don't need a suit, man. He's just like giving him shit and riding his ass the whole movie. I don't know. Maybe he's the stand-in for the space racist or something. Well, he just seems like instead of like a scientist, he seems like a bro. And I don't buy that at all. I think it just... It, that's some of the stuff in the movie that makes me hate it. The fact that they have this bro guy wearing fucking flip-flops telling them like, oh, yeah, you guys are out here so I can find my cave guys, dude. Mm-hmm. And and uh, his character's dumb. And I laughed when he died, when he got flamed. Oh, and then when he turned into like some ragey That was the other guy. Thing. That Wait. was the red-haired guy. That was the red-haired guy? Yeah. Oh. You remember when the red-haired guy gets uh, the the little snake thing he tries to cut it and it shoots the acid all over his helmet and it burns it out and he falls in the black goo yeah apparently it mutated him and he just decided to go back to the ship and start killing people i didn't pick up on that i didn't pick up on that until like the third time i saw the movie and i was like oh that's not the that's not the guy they burned (laughs) it doesn't make any sense no yeah because i thought that was the burn guy because like his whole suit was like covered in like black you know charred stuff i'm like okay whatever that's you know that character, I'm like, now as you're saying this, like, I guess his helmet face was, like, melted in in that same fashion, but, yeah, I totally didn't pick up on that. Like, I don't know. When the, the um, two, like, the, you know, Holloway, he's an idiot, but his mm-hmm. girlfriend, Shaw, I'm, she's supposed to be the Ripley character, I guess. Yeah. And mm, I, I didn't really... I didn't really buy her as like that take charge kind of character because she's so mousy throughout most of the movie. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, she's commando. She gets the thing out of her belly. Then she she runs away from the ship when the engineer guy takes over and stuff. And she survi- she's a survivor suddenly. And they have this, they bring up this whole question about her, her like losing her faith throughout the movie. And I just, they never really explored that fully they just kept referencing it again it just seems like again another thing that we're gonna have to wait to find out about because they're gonna go to the engineer homeworld. yay well that's what they say they say they're gonna go to the engineer homeworld. it's the script does what it wants yeah and and then like lv246 engineer homeworld maybe or maybe it's on earth Uh, Uh, maybe they're gonna kill everybody on earth to get their homeworld back <sighs> Whoa! And I thought they no, totally underused no. uh, Guy Pierce in this movie. Like Waylon was hardly in the movie, and I thought he should have been in more of the movie because his character was actually compelling, and I understood his motivation clearly. And it's like all we know about him is he's like, you know, if you're watching the movie the first time. You know that David's taking orders from somebody who's hidden inside of a stasis chamber. And you can kind of guess it's him. Mm-hmm. But then he's an old guy with tons of makeup on, and, you know, it's Guy Pierce under all the makeup, and he, he gets killed like five minutes after that. And his whole his goal is to, you know, of course, to live forever. Solid I mean, plan. For a guy who seemed like, you know, he was like 150 years old or whatever. Even with, like, the little exoskeleton thing, he seemed kind of, like, kind of spry for his age. Like, really, like, talkative and, like, whatnot. Like, if I had to imagine some 150-year-old, even in the future, like, 
they won't be, you know, that, you know, talkative. They'll be, you know, on breathing tubes and being fed through an IV or something I, like that. I, f- I forget. See, this is, again, this is why people have to to even get this movie even halfway. You have to watch the the viral, the marketing oh, stuff really? they released that for was... this. Because they kind of explain, like, they give a sense of how old Wayland is. And I think, so he must be around, like, 100 years old at the time of the movie. But because in his little TED Talk thing, he's, like, in his 30s or something. And he's he's wearing, like, a nice suit and giving a really good talk about Prometheus. See? Like, right. Again. If, <laughs> if, like, I have to watch promotional material to get some elements of the movie, like, I feel like that's a failure on the movie and the script there. Like, I shouldn't have to do homework prior to watching the movie. I agree with I mean, you. unless it's just, like, too deep for me, and, like, if you want to get the whole movie, you have to, you know... Go watch all this other, like, you know, shit prior to even buying yeah. your ticket. Like, I just think Waylon's a very interesting character, especially since his, his company kind of is the, the catalyst for all the events and all the alien movies. And I would like to know, <laughs> I would like to know more about the guy who started it all, besides just that, oh, he comes out of the pod and he's an old guy and he wants to live forever, then he dies. So, you know, there is an alien universe movie that I would watch. What? Mr. Wayland, you know, doing Mr. Wayland stuff. <laughs> like like pro- just him building the company? Prior no. to Prometheus, like him building, you know, the first android and like his discovery of artificial intelligence and then, you know, his plan to make this spaceship based on this shit that people are digging up for him. Again, that is why the... You know, it's so disappointing to me having watched those viral materials that they don't do more with Waylon because in the viral stuff, they established that not only is he like the world's richest guy and the Wayland is the most successful company on Earth and stuff, and he created artificial intelligence, but he also solved global warming and created like this solar net around Earth that like captured unlimited renewable energy or something like that. And it's just like... Apparently, the guy has reinvented the world like a dozen times by the time he's like 35. Yeah. and That I'd, seems like an interesting character. I'd like to see that versus, you know, he shuffles out of a tube and says, very good, David, take me to the engineer, and right. then dies. Yeah, exactly. I, I just felt like it was a, it's not a big payoff for what was a really cool thing. They could have done something with it. Mr. Wayland has a more... Interesting life and death in fucking Alien vs. Predator 1. Wait, was that? Spraying the Predator with the hairspray. That wasn't Wayland, though. That was Utani or whatever, right? It was no. a different Wayland. Oh. That is that is the one under. I was trying to remember that. Actually, when you guys were just talking about Mr. Yeah. Wayland, I'm like, wait, is that the same Wayland or is that the other it's half supposed of the, to be the, the name? It's, it's supposed to be the same character. You, Miss Utani is in Alien vs. Predator 2, but that's also then so retconned. The oh. one, the one undisputable good thing about Prometheus, though, is it totally erased Alien vs. Predator from the continuity. Yeah. So <laughs> now we know that the Peter Wayland in Prometheus is that is the origin of the company as we know it. In all the other Alien movies, all the AVP stuff is gone, which I thank them for. That's good to know. And also the other one undisputable good thing about this movie is the character David and Michael Fassbender's portrayal. I think the character David's a perfect character in this movie. I I like him a lot. Are you gay for Michael Fassbender? 
No, I just think he's probably one of the best actors living today, and I think the character David is really cool. I think he's a creepy sex weirdo watching people's dreams and like subtly jacking off during the <laughs> the cryo sequence. Well, that yeah, that is kind of weird that he was yeah. watching people's dreams and stuff. But <laughs> <laughs> I'll admit that. But he, he I don't know, he does. He's supposed to be completely emotionless, right? But you can just sense throughout the movie that, like, when Waylon's recording says that he doesn't have a soul, like, you can just see it on his face that hurts him. And he's not supposed to feel emotion, that he is jealous of humans in some aspects. Like, when the idiot Holloway says, like, oh, yeah, we made you because we could. And he's just like, oh, yeah, imagine how disappointing that would be if the engineer guys told you that. Yeah. And you can tell that, like, that got under his skin if, you know, he really has skin but that he just can't express it really being an android. Mm-hmm. I I don't know. I, I really like this. I think he's the most interesting character in the movie, and I wish the story had been more about... I hope he, I hope he has a bigger role in the next one. The one thing I did find kind of funny about his death, or not his death, just his head getting ripped off, uh-huh. they kept the cum blood. They did. Yeah. Yep, he runs on cum. They're all powered by cum. Mr. Whalen's come. Probably. That's where the, the original <laughs> formula. It's like Colonel Sanders seven spices or whatever. <laughs> Put chicken in the bucket. <laughs> see, now again, there's the Whalen Yutani future that we need to see on Earth. Like all the the Davids when the Bishop model comes out, all the fucking Davids can be working at KFC. <laughs> yeah, again, that because they're just like, you know, they're all one of that points. Yeah, whatever. That's a that's another viral marketing material thing they did for this movie, like the commercial for the David robot. I mean, did you yeah, see I've Justin? You have to watch that because oh. that that was what got me interested in the character more than anything. Especially that part in the beginning where they open up the uh, the packaging and the he just kind of like jerks and comes alive. I mean, the first time I saw that, I actually it actually scared me a little bit because it looks so real, and I don't know that that made me very interested in the character just showing him doing all these different things and the first seven minutes of the movie where it's just him on the ship playing basketball and watching Lawrence of Arabia and dyeing his hair and stuff. Interesting character stuff. Well, that was Lawrence of Arabia. I know I'd seen that movie before. I'm like trying to place him like, have I seen this? Or is this just like some other old movie I probably haven't seen before or something they made? But yeah. You know, and, and he quotes it throughout the film. Yeah. And, yeah, you can tell he just watched it and really liked it. Right. There's there's so much more to this character than he's just a robot. And that's. They did a really good job with him in this movie. I just wish that we could see more of it. Hmm. I still want to see him taking somebody's drive through order in their solar powered hover car. That was one of the best parts of Star Trek Voyager where the doctor was upset that they used the old model holograms to do like mining and shit. He was mad about the old EMHs being put to that purpose fuck him yeah fuck him be cool david was like man take fuck your order Voyager. please i'm sorry we stopped <laughs> serving breakfast at 11 sir i'm sorry sir we stopped 11? serving breakfast at 11 <laughs> i don't know i'm not really a big mcdonald's person justin is is it 10 30 or is it 11 i want to say Whoa, it's 10 30 but anyway. i haven't been up for mcdonald's breakfast in like 10 years I don't really go there either. Adam Sandler, Big Daddy. Big Daddy, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> One of his last entertaining movies. Now, there's the android that they, the person they should have playing the android. Adam, Adam Sandler. Sandler? Yeah. No, he's too busy making money off crap movies. Yeah, crap movies that he spends, you know, 
$50,000 making gets 13 million off of probably. He just hires his friends to be in the movies and then they cash $100 million checks. Yeah. yeah. The waterline on those is amazing. Adam Sandler. Why yeah. do we have to go there? Because he would have been an awesome android. And he's also going to be in a sci-fi movie coming out later this summer, Pixels. Nope. Oh, I've seen a bit Which of... Which we will review. From a, Are we seriously? <laughs> oh, yeah. We're going to review yes. it. Yes. I might be sick that week. No. Can't be. No. <laughs> we'll just move the review then. Ah, damn it. <laughs> It'll be good. We can all see it together. Better buy my ticket. I don't want to pay for that shit. But no, yeah. Um, if you're going to make me. Oh, so best part of Prometheus too, I think the surgical pod scene, not only because that surgical pod is an awesome, cool piece of technology, but it was the only scene in the movie where I actually thought anybody was in any real danger. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that that scene was actually like, it was one of those scenes where like you're actually like kind of, like at least for me, like I kind of was like physically reacting like, whoa, this is like, kind of like a lot going on right now like it's like cutting her open and like i'm like oh god like kind of like tensing up that's hot right yeah um <laughs> maybe for some people on fanfiction.net um i should look that up there's a sur- there's a surgical pod thing <laughs> there's sure there fan is. fiction about it i I'm probably sure there I'll, I'll look it up <laughs> but like everything else in this movie as far as like you know getting attacked by the snake coming out of the black goo and you know getting burned and the other people dying. It's just like, I never felt that same sort of like, you know, tenseness in a scene. Like, I don't know if it's actually going to, you know, burst out of her stomach and before she's able to like cut it out or whatever. Like I really liked that scene as far as just creating an amount of tenseness that isn't anywhere else in the movie. And the decision that Ridley made to use a, a real prop for the squid thing. Oh, was that? Instead of CGIing it. I thought that, like, when she's sliding to get under it, oh, to get out like of the actually... pod, it's like, oh, shit, is it going to break out and get on her face? Because those little, those little gripper things don't really seem to be holding it very well. <laughs> what, what cracked me up when I was watching that scene, it looked like a fucking claw from a claw machine that was just, like, <laughs> cut her open. It's like, <laughs> and, like, it was, like, going to go into, like, her stomach and, like, Take out the alien and drop it, and it's like you know the claw would just like slip like whoops, oh. grab it again. <laughs> Need another quarter. Yeah, that would have been pretty funny. <laughs> it would have killed the tension, though. That's the thing George would do. Not yeah. You know. Oh, because kids love it. <laughs> well, the squid would have been a talking squid thing then. Oh hi, Misa, come out of your chest. It would have like popped out like in um space balls and like started singing. Yep. Yeah. yeah, pretty much. Oh, George. George should make Prometheus, too. Yeah, it's, you know, that's the, that's the uh, disappointing thing, though, w- that we've been saying is just that the, the story demands so many questions and doesn't answer them, but the world they created is so cool. Like, all the technology stuff in this movie is awesome. Just like, I would like to be in a world where those surgical pods existed or that we had, like, those hypersleep containers that they have for everybody. Or the even the holographic projection stuff that Waylon records his message on for the team. That's all really cool stuff. And you you might see something like that coming like in a couple decades. 
I guess, or, you know, if HoloLens turns out to be really cool, maybe we could get close to that. Yeah, I'll take Androids first. Yeah, of course. I mean, I want somebody to do all my work for me, definitely. Mm-hmm. Japan's working on it. No, not creepy sex Androids. Androids to, like, mow my lawn. Oh, well. Yeah, I said do all my work Justin. for me. <laughs> I wasn't talking to you. I was talking oh, to Justin, who okay. said Japan's on that. I know what path Japan's on. Oh, yeah, sick sex robots. Yeah. <laughs> Depraved sex robots. Very good. I'm talking about the robot who's going to like get the grass clippings out of the bag for me and hose the mower down. Yeah, yeah. David, mow the lawn, please. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> oh. Maybe he was made in Japan, though. He runs on cum, so that's possible. At least in this movie, it seems like they're at a point on Earth where it's not, there's like no borders at all. Or maybe just like everyone's from, you know, the U.S. or something. Because they're never like, oh, oh, it's like an Asian guy. It's like, oh, he's just you know, from Earth or whatever or something like that. I don't know. It seemed like that's something that wasn't really said at all that, you know, they've moved past borders in this version of Earth kind of. Maybe not. I don't know. Maybe that's something I'm just thinking about too much. Maybe Whalen Industries pretty much owns the planet now. Yeah, that's, that's what, what I kind of got. got yeah. the feeling that that they're into everything. There are there's like less, like um, there's less emphasis on nation states versus you know companies, and Whalen's just being the biggest. I just got the impression that Whalen had had such a hand in making the Earth over that it didn't matter where you were from, you're still his bitch. <laughs> yeah. So if he wants you to go on your spaceship. You go on his fucking spaceship. Well, the, the fact that they could afford to spend a trillion dollars doing the Prometheus expedition. Well, it didn't seem like... It, I, Of course they could afford it because they actually went there and did it, but it wasn't like it was pocket change is what um, Bickers made yeah. it sound like. Mm. Um, it's like, you know, we spent a trillion dollars on this. Like, it seemed like that was like, you know, years worth of, you know, money to spend on something for just from that statement yeah how, like, how about Charlize? what did you guys think of her in this movie because she was originally supposed to be the elizabeth shaw character hmm. and she couldn't do it because of a scheduling conflict i read and so they kind of created this role for her of this corporate stooge person that is overseeing everything uh i prefer mr burke i yeah i don't understand the the unnecessary scene where she gets out there with the flamethrower and sets Holloway on fire as much that as I really like bizarre. seeing him die at his own request pretty yeah. much yeah yeah it's like just don't open the door just don't open the door and she opens the door and has to set him on fire now I like seeing him die but I don't know and she gets killed in a really kind of funny way because she can't run sideways I like my corporate stooges to be people in futuristic eighties suits. Well, didn't she kind of have like a futuristic suit on? No, a futuristic 80s business oh. suit. But her and David just pretty much wear around like futuristic Nehru jackets. With the, the upturned <laughs> collar and always trying to hide behind the committee. That's that's what I like my corporate stooges. You've got to come to the, the insurance hearing about how you lost your ship. Also, the fact that she turned out to be Waylon's daughter and that was kind of just shoehorned in there. It's Contrived. like, what? What? Well, yeah. I think it was her character was actually pretty neat because even at the start of the movie, I had the same question as um the pilot had. I can't remember his name right now. Um, 
is like, is she going to be one of those like sleeper androids kind of? Yeah, I thought that too the first time I watched it. Like she, she has to be the robot. Yeah. Besides David, like I wasn't sure what she was going for. Like, but I mean, once you get past the scene where it's like, okay, she's not a robot, so what's her deal? Is she just like you know some high up corporate person? And then like it's revealed later, oh hey, you know, you're his daughter. And he doesn't even like you. He thinks David is a better son. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That that's see again. Interesting thing about Wayland that I wish they had explored more. It's just like wow, he considers the android to be more of a successor to him than his own flesh and blood. Why is that? Because nobody he, tells you. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> he just doesn't like nepotism or something. <laughs> Probably because he got the chance to create David, custom. Oh. <laughs> So it's like exactly how he would want his son to be. Yeah, there's always like a, yeah. a roll of the dice with children. Right. David, That's he true. got to build him from scratch and program him and everything. So. Oh, see, always a roll of a di- the dice with children, just like, you know, we are the children of the engineers, right? And maybe they just didn't like how we turned out. You you hit, you got 10 levels deeper again. Wow. <laughs> Shit, nigga. <laughs> that is too much for me right now. 20 levels deep. No. 20,000 leagues under the sea. That's where this movie needs to be buried, 20 levels deep. Okay. Well, then, on that note, I'd say my final verdict on it is that it is a really intriguing but frustrating movie to me. Justin? I would agree entirely with that. It's visually, it looks really nice. The plot just leaves a lot of questions that need to be answered or should have been explained more in a sequel or watching all the promotional material. I don't think it's a very good excuse. I would say it's a cool movie. Definitely watch it, but just watch it with the thought in mind that you're probably not going to be satisfied in any level other than superficial. It looks nice, but none of the questions it raises get answered, so don't get your hopes up. What's next week? I can't even remember now. I don't know. Oh my god, have we finished Aliens? That's right. This is our last Alien slash yeah. Predator movie. Finally, yeah. We're finally done. Shit, what are we going to do? We'll think. We'll have to something. end the podcast then. Yep. Maybe. Episode 25 is the last one. Oh man. Oh, wait a minute. There's got to be some other movies we can talk about. There's tons of movies. But there were some we mentioned specifically a couple of weeks ago. Total Recall. We're doing. Oh yeah. yeah. That we can do Total Recall and Total Recall. Right. <laughs> do the comparison. Yeah. What's the good idea? Let's do that. Okay. Looking forward to that, Justin? Mm, yeah, I am. Have you seen either of them? I, it's one of those things I've caught pieces on TV or seen clips of it online. Ooh, which you haven't watched the whole thing through. That's right. Wow, it's going to be a treat for you then. <laughs> one of them, I think, is going to be a treat. 25 years later. <laughs> oh, yeah, the, the 2012 one or whatever with the... Uh, Walter White in there is the bad guy. No, absolutely not. Wait, Walter White? Really? Yeah. Uh, Brian Cranston. Brian, yeah, Brian Cranston. Yeah. That's... Hmm. Ronnie Cox is just the... He's the epitome of the the white corporate bad guy. Oh, did you see that thing I sent you? The Arnold C programming language? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's a programming language based on Arnold Schwarzenegger one-liners. Yeah, so I saw So to that. execute commands and stuff, give me your clothes. <laughs> Anyway, this has been the 25th episode of Super High Sci-Fi. Thanks for listening. Tell your friends. Tweet about it. Um, I don't know. 
Leave a review on iTunes. Leave a review on iTunes. Justin's right. And uh, something else. It, I, I don't know. Spray I, paint bridges for us or something. Draw our logo on cop cars. Yeah. Anything, you know, make a giant bat signal. Wreak havoc in our names. Exactly, yeah. Go forth and destroy things in our name. And tell people, you know, in the, the lockup with you about us.